Matthew verses 1 through 6, if you will stand for the reading of the word this morning. We'll continue our thoughts on the character of the church and trying to help us remember who we are. If you miss Sunday school this, this, this morning, you sure enough missed a blessing in your life. And it was not because of the teacher, but because of the word which helps us to remember who we are in Christ and help us to remember that the struggle is real. Y'all, I must, I must not be talking to the real folk in here. Y'all, are y'all robots or something? Am I talking to real life folk that struggle every day to do us right? Maybe y'all got it all together. Maybe y'all don't make no mistakes. Maybe, maybe y'all don't cuss no more. Maybe, Maybe y'all don't tell nobody off no more. I, may, am I talking to the right, Sister Claire, am I talking to the right group? Uh, but for those of us who struggle, Tamika, we had a sure enough good lesson on this morning. Uh, Book of Romans, and we're enjoying that in our young adult study. And we'll close that out uh, next week in our young adult study. But here we have Ephesians, the word of that great apostle Paul. And y'all bear with me, and I plan to let y'all out of here. In just a moment. But Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Let me hear you say will of God. God. You do know that's what it's all about. It's not about us. It's about the will of God. I had one preacher, young preacher, call me last night as I was traveling back here. uh, Called me and he's going through some challenges at his church. He's a young preacher, very young preacher. And um, he said, Pop Miles, he said, now, uh, I hear you and I understand uh, that if things go bad and I have to leave here, how do I know? How do I know uh, that God is going to uh, fix it, you know, my financial situation? I said, what you mean, how do you know? I said, you don't subscribe to God when, how, and where. I said, you got to trust God whether you're standing before the furnace. You got to trust God whether you're standing in the lion's den. You got to trust God whether you're standing before King Nebuchadnezzar. You got to trust God whether you're standing at the foot of the mountain. You got to trust God whether you're standing at the Red Sea. You don't tell God when and how and where. I said, son, that's what faith is all about. You trust God even in the hard times. Because whatever he's doing in your life, he's testing you. He's trying you. And whatever he allows you to experience is for your benefit. So you got to trust him. Through the tears, through the crying, through the pain, through the sorrow. Get over yourself. That's all the process of life. In Christianity is to make it through the struggle. Don't you understand? That's what, that's not a cliche. You can't have a testimony without a test. That's not a cliche. That's real talk. That's 100 spirituality. You can't glorify God until you go through some gory stuff. You can't praise until you have some pain. You can't worship until you come through some worries. I didn't mean to preach right there. To the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. Turn to somebody and ask them, how faithful are you? Because you know Paul ain't talking to you if you're not faithful. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing. Tell somebody and tell him he's gave me everything that I need. He says, blessings with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's the church, y'all. According as he hath chosen us in him. Chosen us in him. Chosen us in him. You're not chosen unless you're in him. The world has gotten that twisted. That's what the law, the, the tulip is all about. That law of uh, theology uh, 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 from the uh, uh, religious world who believes that there are certain people already chosen to go to heaven. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Watch this. Having predestinated us, how? Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You may be seated in the presence of Almighty God. I want to close with the last point this morning in this series by the evaluation of God's blessings in Christ. We need to take the time to learn how to evaluate the blessings that we have in Christ. The final two words in verse 3 is in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him, how or where? In love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intentions of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. I want to show you three things today. Three different aspects regarding our blessings in Christ. We need to understand our position. We need to understand the priority. And we need to understand the purpose. Let me say that again. We need to understand our position in Christ. We need to understand that we are priority to Christ. And then we need to understand our purpose. Sister Claire, I am convinced after 40 years of ministry that some of us have not matured spiritually to do what God has called us to do spiritually because we don't understand our purpose. I told you last week, and I think I told you the week before, that we need to understand that this relationship with God is more than just Sunday morning worship. It's more than just Wednesday night Bible class. In order for you to operate in your purpose with God, you got to understand that this is a lifestyle with God. 
I wish I had some help. You don't worship God like you uh, have your relationship with Oreos or your favorite cookie. You only eat them when you desire them. That's not what you do with God. You don't treat God like your favorite movie. Watch it every once in a while. I wish I had some help. You need to understand that your relationship with God will show God and prove to God that you understand his purpose in you. Number one, I said we have a position in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Jay, I've come to realize that some folk are so caught up on jockeying for the top positions in life. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I know I'm preaching anyway because some of us spend more time trying to get a better education than we do trying to get a better relationship with God. Oh, I know I'm preaching. See, some of us spend more energy and we spend more time and we get more talent trying to get a better job than we have trying to get a better relationship with God. I said some of us are jockeying for top positions in life. Jockeying for top positions on our job. For in the family, we want to be the best family member. Some of us want to be the best friend. I said we're jockeying for positions in the country clubs, in our neighborhoods. We want to be the best best kept yard in the neighborhood. Best kept house in the neighborhood. Some of us are jockeying to be in the best position with women. And some of us are jockeying to be in the best position with men, but I come to tell you that what you need to understand is your position in Christ. Baby girl, brother man, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter to God what names are before, what, what adjectives are before your name or what letters are behind your name. It doesn't matter to God what side of the railroad tracks you live on. It doesn't matter to God how far you've gone in your education. It does not matter to God how much money you got in the bank. God want to know what you're doing with your money that you got in the bank. I wish I had some help in here. We need to understand that we have a position already in Christ. That's greater than any position we'll ever have in the world. Some of the most mind-boggling theological concepts are mentioned in the following verses here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. Paul doesn't take the time to explain all of them, but simply drops them on us like some spiritual bombs. Impossible to make them understandable to us in just a few moments. I need to labor though to get you to understand and absorb the divine concepts. And the only way we can understand this thing of adoption and predestination, we must understand how God has purposed us in this life. Somebody may say, I can't even understand the tax code. Some of us may say, I don't even understand how electricity works. Some of us may even say, I don't even understand how a little picture comes from all the way over there to my phone or to my tablet. You might not understand those things, but I tell you this morning, you need to understand how we are divinely elected and predestined by the almighty grace of almighty God. Someone described it once this way. They said if you had a huge magnet and you held it over the top of a salvage yard. And when the magnet was turned on, I'm trying to help you understand predestination. When the magnet was turned on, uh, 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 on the magnet 
uh, it would draw, the magnet force would draw all the materials that have the right properties in order for the magnet to attract it. What are you saying, Miles? That's how God predetermines uh, uh, and predestines uh, his children. His predestined work has already been predetermined. And, 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 and he proposes his son's death to grow uh, in those who are, uh, have come to give their life to God. And what he does, he, he deposits the right properties in them which is confession and faith and then once you have the right properties in you of con- I wish I was talking to somebody who know what I'm saying once you have the right properties in you just like that magnet when you have the right properties it will pick up metals all over the salvage yard well what God does when man come to realization that he is a sinner God deposits the power of confession and the power of belief and when his word is spoken because he has deposited those uh, 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 components in man, man is being drawn by the magnet of the word of God. God's elective will is irresistible to those who have been predestined by confession and faith. You see, it's not man who is predestined. It's the plan that has been predestined. Let me say that again. It's not, God has not chosen that Jay will be saved, Jarrell won't, Noah will be saved, uh, Terry won't, Smith will be saved, Joe, that's not how God does it. But God has, He has not just chosen His mind certain people that will be saved. If He did that, then why would He give us free will? What God has done before the foundation of the world, he has predestined his plan. Listen to Paul saying in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that's why we know God has not just chosen some people to be saved, because God is not a liar. Hebrews 6, 18, by two immutable things, that word immutable is just a two dollar word, which means unchangeable. He said by two immutable things, God cannot lie. What are they? He gave his word and then he sealed it with a promise. So if Paul says, God allows Paul to speak to the Holy Spirit, and he says, all have sinned, and God says, sin will not inherit heaven, then we know that God has not predestined or picked certain individuals because everybody sins. Not all are saved. But without Christ's redemptive work, the cross, nobody could be saved. I wish I had some help in here. Listen to what he says, First John 2.19. When truly saved, it would be evidenced by the fact that we remain in a relationship with Christ. Not perfect or sinless. But look what he says. He says, they that went out from us uh, went out from us because they were never really of us. First John 2.19. What, what is the Apostle John trying to get us to understand? That there are some who will accept the Lord. There are some who will reject the Lord. There are some who act like they wrote the Lord, but they really don't. <laughs> turn, turn, turn to the person on the right side of you. Look at them real good. 
Now look at the person on the left side of you. You might just be looking at a faker. Turn to somebody and tell them you can't do what you want. Come on, tell the other person on the other side. Don't let them feel lonely. Tell them too, you can't do what you want. I believe the Bible is filled with the conditions of our relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And those conditions hang on the hinges of belief and faith. And I'm not talking about just having uh, the knowledge of something, but I'm talking about that faith that leads to obedience. John the Revelator said, John 2.10, that you, if you be faithful unto death, you receive the crown of life that shall never fade away. Although God's grace is amazing and overwhelming, yet to say that that it is irresistible, uh, is too strong a theological concept for me to agree with. What are you saying, Miles? I'm saying although the power of God's grace is great and strong, he has shown it through the centuries of time, there are some people who still reject the grace of God. With all that said about about predestined, then let's look a little further. Not only can we know our position in Christ, but we can know he chose us and it was not us who really chose him. Just as he chose us in him, amazing to me is that God chose to have a relationship with me. Hello somebody. John fifteen sixteen. you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. God has chosen us. How? Through his predestined plan. Question. But didn't I accept the Lord, Brother Miles, in order to be baptized? Didn't I accept him? Yes, you did. From our perspective, that is what occurs. We respond to the gospel and we accept Christ's gospel and says yes. But what we have to understand, if God had never gave his word, then we could have never accepted his word. We are chosen in him. God's choice was made for us who are in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.27, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. For as many of you as been baptized in Christ have put on Christ. So we must understand again, there is a process that man must conform to. What is the process? It already been predetermined that whosoever believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's the predestination. He's already said that if you get baptized, you're going to be saved. That's the predestination. He does not predestine man. He has predestined the point. All right, let me open the window. Some of y'all still looking funny. God says that if you have sex, you're going to have a baby. The law of gravity says if you step off this cliff, you're going to fall to your death. It's already predetermined. The law, the law of automobile safety says that if you keep running red lights, you won't have an accident. Yeah, yeah. It's predetermined. The law says 
if you walk out of jewels without paying for your food, you going to jail. If you go in a bank and demand money that don't belong to you, you going to jail. It's not the man. See, every man don't go in the bank and rob it. Every man ain't idiot enough to step off a cliff to his death. So the plan is predestined. Not the man. Acts 2 and 41, listen to what, what Peter says. Then they that gladly received his word were added when? Were baptized and added the same day. Verse 47. Praising God and having faith with all the people. And the Lord did what? Added to the church. Daily such as should be saved. Added who? Those who surrender to the plan. Then as I hasten to a close. We can also know he chose us before our lives were ever lived. How? Because he made a way with a plan. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I was chosen before I ever lived one day of my life. In what way, Brother Miles? Because there was a plan already set for me to yield to through obedience. He didn't look down on me. He didn't say, well, Miles, you're not good enough. Because if that's what he did, no one would have been good enough. God made a choice before the world began which was inclusive of me and of others. If I had to try to explain it today, I simply only have to tell you that God put a plan in motion and what man had to do was surrender to the plan. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but watch this, but is long suffering, not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. If God, if this, if this, uh, tulip, uh, uh, theology was right, that God has already chosen some people, then why would 2 Peter 3 9 be in the Bible? God's desire is that nobody goes to hell. That's His desire. The Hebrew I'd always say, He can't lie. So it has to be the plan. That has been predetermined. And then finally we have a purpose. And we were purposed before Christ. Came to this world and gave his life. That we would be holy. And blameless. Before him. In love. He predestined us. Watch this. To the adoption as sons. Through Jesus Christ to himself. According to the kind intentions of God's mighty will. You see, God has chosen us not for trophies to just sit on the shelf. But God has chosen us for frontline battle work. I say he's chosen us for frontline battle work. I'm going to close here in a minute. You are chosen. Watch this. First Peter 2.9. You are chosen race. I want to help somebody as I go to my seat. Remember who you are. Because see, the world got a way of beating you down. Loved ones got a way of beating you down and telling you you ain't nobody and you're nothing. 
The world got a way, even on your jobs, they got a way of trying to make your, your, your self-esteem so low that you won't even ask for a raise, let alone think you deserve a raise. I know I'm talking to somebody. Spouses are tearing people down, tearing their loved ones down. Children are bad-mouthing their parents. Parents are bad-mouthing their children. Church folk will talk about you like a dog. You ain't got to say, man, I know I'm telling the truth. What you got to understand is you got to remember who you are in Christ. Peter says you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are, I'm trying to tell you what you are. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You know what Peter said? Peter said, if you just take the time to remember who you are and remember how you got to where you are, it'll be a celebration in your life and you can't keep it to yourself. I wish I had some help. He says you'll be so excited that God has changed you, what God has done for you, what God, how God has saved you. He said it'll be such a celebration that you will proclaim it to others of what God has done in your life. That's why every church of Christ ought to be growing. That's why we should be having baptisms every week. That's why we should be growing out of the sea. That's why we should have to get a new building. Because when we realize what God has done, Peter says we will glorify him by telling others. Deuteronomy 7, 6-8. For you people holy to the Lord your God. Listen to what he says. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth talking to Israel to be his people. Not because you were more numerous, but it was because the Lord loves you. Therefore take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws that I have given you today. Purpose in is the chosen to live in obedience and share the truth of God in a world of darkness. Just as uh, Moses spoke in Deuteronomy 7, and he was speaking to the chosen people of God, Israel, of that day. So then does Paul speak to us today to understand that we are not chosen by the color of our skin. We're not chosen because our pedigree. We're not chosen because of our experiences of life. God loved us. That was why God planned or put a predestined plan in place because he loves us. And that should be enough, Paul is saying, and Peter joins hands with him saying, that should be enough for us to want to tell other people what God can do for them. You probably heard people of royalty or great wealth being referred to as blue bloods. Long ago, these people were waited on continually. And they did not even exercise. They didn't have to move. These people of royalty even had folk that would clean their own bottoms after they would dispense their waste. That's just how wealthy they were. But I need you to understand that we are somebody in Christ. As I go to my seat, you need to understand that not only... Were we giving a position? But you need to understand that we were priority. It was priority of the holiness of God. That we would be holy and blameless before him in love. You see, God's plan allowed us 
to stand before him in spite of all of our sins, Sister Clara. Our life consisted of we were able to stand holy and blameless. I wish I was talking to some saved sinners. Holy and blameless in, as recipients of God's divine love. Not standing guilty under the weight of sin, but he died that we might live. And that's why we ought to be able to give God the praise. Because he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. The Bible says that he knew no sin. Neither was there any gall found in his mouth. He walked on this earth for 33 long years. The Bible says that he experienced everything that man ever suffered. That means that he got angry just like you did. That means he looked at a woman just like you did. It means he said some things just like you did or would have said some things just like you would have. The Bible Bible said he knew every temptation, but because he had given his will to God's will, he had given God his eyes, he had given God his mind, he had given God his hands, and he gave the whole world his body, and he came in confirmation with what God had already predestined. You see, before Jesus ever left glory, he already knew the story. He didn't just know the beginning, but he also knew the end. He knew that men would lie about him, but he got on the train anyway. He knew that folk would despise him, but he got on the glory train anyway. He knew folk would slap him in his face, but he got on the glory train anyway. He knew that he would be pierced in his side, hung high and stretched wide, buried in a borrowed tomb, but he didn't know just the beginning, but he knew the end of the story. He knew that if he would just remain faithful to the end, that he would get up with all power as a conquering savior. And as I said in Sunday school, he got power over every sin. It's nothing you can go through that he cannot bring you through. It's nothing you can get in that he cannot bring you out. There's no night too dark that his glory won't shine through. There's no hatred that you cannot outlive because God has already conquered it in Christ. And so he says that if you just accept my divine will, if you accept my divine will that's already been predestined, then it's by the determinate counsel of God that you become a child of God. That's the law of adoption. You become a child of God by faith and obedience in Christ. And that's how we become predestined in Christ. The plan is predestined and not the man. And when we submit to the plan, he still says, whosoever believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And the purpose of God's sonship is that we might bring glory to Almighty God. Is that your desire this morning? To bring glory to God? Listen now. You can hold your head up. You can make your shoulders strong once you have given yourself to the Lord. Because when God sees us, when we become children of God, he does not see our sins. He sees the stained blood of his son Jesus, which reminds him that we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And if we just remain faithful unto death, 
will receive a crown of life at the end of this life. Now, you know what's good about that? You want to know what's really good about that? What's really good about that is that he gives us a safety net for when we do fall. And it's called grace. He gives us a safety net. But now you do know the safety net don't matter or mean anything to anybody unless they're on the tightrope. <laughs> See, you can't appreciate grace, the safety net, unless you're on the tightrope of life trying to walk the line. Notice the tightrope master. He never tries to fall. Watch this, watch this. In order to be successful, his goal is to make it from one side to the other side. And he summons everything within his being to submit to his effort to make it to the He knows the net is there. He doesn't just give up and jump down in the net. He used everything he got to get to the other side because he knows then his audience is pleased. Y'all missed it. You see, the only person in the audience of worship and praise is God. And so what we're supposed to be doing, Jay, is trying to make it to the other side. Without falling. But you know, I've been to a circus or two and I, and I see people so gracious that when the, the tightrope master falls in the net, there's a gas. <gasps> but after the gas, there's such an appreciation for his effort that they begin to applaud. Oh, y'all. Y'all just missed it. Y'all just missed it. Even when we fail, our audience still applauds. Because what we're dealing with is our effort, which is motivated by faith. Doesn't he love us? Doesn't he love us? He's a gracious God. He is an awesome God. That's why we ought to worship him with the greatest effort that we have to give him our best. Because he has made it so already that he knows us. He knows most likely, Joe, we're going to fall. So he's been so gracious to accommodate us in our trying with grace. So it's not meant to make us remain in sin. Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. Grace is supposed to make us having a love affair with God and want to serve him even a greater way. If you're here this morning 